Welcome to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wetland. This is Episode 27, When People Resist. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership-related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to teams, to the business. Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here. Because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. On my bookshelves, I have dozens of books that connect to leading change. Maybe you have some of them too. Things like, ooh, managing transitions, or change management, or managing at the speed of change, master change, real change leaders, change, (laughs) employee survival guide to change, who moved my cheese, remember that one? Ugh. You probably have resources just as well, because if you're like me, you've probably had to lead some change in your organization, and you know how hard it can be. If you do a search on how to lead change and navigate resistance, I bet you're going to see millions of resources. There are so many people that study change and the process and practices in how to lead it. But for this purpose today, we're going to talk about change and our brains. Because one of the biggest challenges that I hear from leaders over the years is how to deal with change resistance. What do we do about it? And what's ironic, I think, is that we want to avoid the resistance. I hear things like, why can't those employees just have more flexibility? Why can't they be more agile? Why can't they be more open-minded? Why don't they just do what we want them to do? Can we just skip over resistance, please? But rather than wanting to avoid it, My philosophy is that we need to start embracing it. We need to understand it and actively work through it, knowing that it is expected. As leaders, what would happen if we welcomed it, we felt it, and we processed all the emotions that come with change? Because we need to, because we're all human. And because we're all human, our brains are wired to protect us. Think about your brain and the evolutionary state of your brain. It constantly scans for danger and it finds it, right? (laughs) Emotionally or physically or practically speaking, we see change as a threat. It's the unknown. The consequences are unknown. And so our brain jumps in to protect us. It happens largely in our unconscious minds. And that's why it's such a challenge to change it. But we need to bring those thoughts and emotions to the surface. Ugh, yuck. (laughs) But we need to understand them in order to change them. And I think that's one of the true secrets of resistance to change is processing all those emotions and helping people to navigate through them. Think of the last time you led a change effort. 
And I'm going to share some of the key reasons why I think we resist change. And I want you to see which of those that you can identify with for your team. How many did people go through? And probably even more importantly than that, think of the last change that affected you. And I want you to bring that to the surface and identify the thoughts and emotions that you were also experiencing about the change and maybe some of the anxiety or fear that you might have been feeling as well. So here are five reasons why we resist change. Number one is fear. Fear of the unknown and the uncertainty and the impact on us, the fear of leaving the cave. (laughs) Think about the caveman days, right? In the caveman days, we were safe in our cave if we didn't go out and get eaten by some large other creature, right? According to our motivational triads, we are wired to prioritize three things. One is avoiding pain. Two is maintaining efficiency. Our brain loves to be efficient. And third, to seek pleasure. When we don't know what danger lurks outside of the cave, we fear pain. That's not good. So fear is one reason we resist change. But most people aren't going to say that. Who wants to bust out to their boss? Like, I'm afraid. (laughs) I'm full of anxiety. I'm afraid I'm going to screw this up. I'm afraid I can't do it. I'm afraid I can't learn it. I'm afraid. And a lot of times we don't say that, but I think that's a big one. The second one is complacency. It's easier to stay put when there's no urgency to change. Again, think about our brain. Our brain likes to maintain efficiency. It wants to expend as little effort as possible to get the job done. We don't tell it to do that. It's just doing that. And complacency of let's just keep doing the same thing we believe is easier than change. The third is, I think, stress and overwhelm. When there's so much anxiety going on in our brains and we can't think through the ramifications or the implications of the change, we can actually get sick and just shut down. And when we're overwhelmed, it's so easy to get stuck in inaction. Decision-making seems really difficult and moving forward is a challenge. I mentioned this in podcast number 23, indecision and staying stuck. That has a big impact on our resistance to change. Number four is the rewards and the status associated with what we're currently doing. Because in the current state, before we need to change, many of us are confident and competent in what we're doing. We've achieved some level of status in being effective at our roles or our tasks or responsibilities. And are you kidding? We don't want to jeopardize our credibility or our status or that expert power, that's our brain, again, seeking pleasure. That's the third part of the motivational triad. We're motivated to seek pleasure. And there is pleasure in status and the rewards associated with it. Even if we don't think that's true for ourselves, we try to protect ourselves, right? We don't want to give that up. And a lot of time, change reflects a potential change in status. And then the last one is independence. Who amongst us wants to be told what to do? That definitely triggers a threat response to us, our sense of freedom, when we're being forced to comply with someone. Many of us don't react well to that forced compliance. In fact, as a youth, I might have been called stubborn and obstinate. And when I was told what to do, by golly, I wasn't doing that, which did not bode well for me and the consequences of that. So how do we move through those very common reasons why we resist? I want to talk about five strategies for moving people through the resistance. There's not necessarily a one-to-one correlation with this, but these are five different strategies that we can use, all of them together 
very powerful. Number one is we have to tell them why. And many of us know that, but do we consistently do it? Be consistent in your message. Be clear and also urgent. You have to be urgent in your message to get people to move. They have to understand it and understand number two, the drivers to change. You as a leader need to know what is driving change in your industry and in your organization. Be informed about what's going on so you can be prepared and knowledgeable and ready to communicate that to your team. And just know that change is prompted in two ways. One is externally, outside of our organization. Think like the government or regulatory changes or consumer demand or competition. All of those things force us to change from the outside in. There's also internal drivers Things like, oh, we got a new leader, or we've changed our leadership team, or maybe we have a DE&I initiative, or maybe we have engagement, uh, we've measured engagement in our company and we have engagement scores, or just employees themselves driving change within a company. You need to know the drivers and help your employees to be aware of those internal and external drivers. If they know what those external and internal drivers are, they're going to have more context about the need to change. So keep people informed. Number three is engagement. Engaged people tend to be less resistant to change because they're a part of the process. So use collaboration. And this sounds like a total no-brainer, but oh my goodness, you guys, there are so many missed opportunities that I hear and see about in organizations and with leaders. And what's interesting about it is because many people don't want the challenges associated with bringing people along with them. Like, oh, that sounds hard. Oh, they're going to be irritated. Oh, they're going to be angry or upset, all those things. And so the irony is that they don't include people up front where we would actually have an opportunity to manage or mitigate those reactions. It's more a matter of timing because we can either work through them directly as a part of collaboration up front, or we can introduce the change and experience all that myriad of emotions much later, and (laughs) probably the resentment of people not being involved. So we get understanding and buy-in through engagement. It's critical. Number four is connected to learning and growth. This is a constant. I think from a leadership perspective, let everybody know on our team that change and changing themselves is vital. It's expected. Encourage a growth mindset. Be a role model for learning because that is foundational to change and evolution. If we're not learning, we are not changing. If you create an environment in which others have the opportunity and the expectation to evolve, change becomes less frightening because people feel more prepared. So we know that we are set up to be successful in our jobs and in our roles by learning and through growth. So make that a constant rather than the exception, when a change is happening, then we train people. No, just do it all the time. And the last one is about consequences. At the end of the day, we're responsible for guiding ourselves and others through change. Not everyone is going to make it through. And we need to really understand that and accept it. It's their choice. And with that choice comes consequences. This is unpleasant all around because we wish we could help other people see it and change. And we feel sad and disappointed and angry when they don't. This was episode 26, the manual last week. And it references when we have expectations for others and we want them to follow our manual and they don't do it. 
Again, we get sad and disappointed or angry at them, but it's their choice. It's their choice to change or not. That has consequences, absolutely. And they may have to take a different job. They may have to exit the company, but they still have a choice. And I know that's disappointing for all of us who want people to get to the other side successfully. So as you think about leading change and helping people navigate through it, what I hope your takeaway from this is that it's common, natural, and to be expected that people will resist change. They're going to resist out of fear, complacency, stress, or overwhelm, their own rewards and status, or their sense of independence. Our job is to know that that is going to happen and we help them process all the emotions associated with change. We can do that by telling them why. We can do that by helping them understand what's driving change, by engaging them in the process, by making learning and growth consistent, and when we have to, applying consequences. This also means you have to talk about emotions on purpose. You have to bring them to the surface, make them transparent, and allow people to be vulnerable with their emotions so you can help guide them through the change. And that is how we process emotions and we lead change more successfully and more effectively. You know I like a good quote, right? And John Maxwell, of course, has one. And I think this is a really interesting one. He said, the pessimist complains about the wind. The optimist expects it to change. The leader adjusts the sails. So rather than complaining about resistance or expecting it to go away, let's adjust our sales, our strategies, and welcome it. Know that our brain is just operating effectively. It's designed to protect us. And it's our job as leaders to give our brain and other brains peace. And speaking of peace and things that don't give us peace, next time we're talking about imposter syndrome. Do you have it? Or do you know someone who does? Join us to find out what to do about it. Thank you.